Hello everyone. Uh, welcome to another session of uh, Caffeine and Carrots. Uh, I'm Prithvi and it's my great pleasure to have uh, Brandon Almendares on this uh, session with us today. Uh, Brandon is one of the most practical operators I have interacted with in the community, in the customer success community. And Brandon, welcome to Caffeine and Carrots. Thank you for having uh, He's a good friend, uh, he's a good customer, and uh, he's a good proponent of CS overall. Uh, so looking forward to having this conversation with you, Brandon. Likewise. Uh, we'll jump straight into it. Uh, what got you into customer success? You have been doing this for a while now. Yeah, for a very long time. So um, interestingly enough, I actually started in sales. And one of the hardest parts of being in sales for me was to detach myself from the customer after the sale had closed. Mm -hmm. So to me, that was that's where I struggled. So over time, rep, you know, having this type of rapport, this relationship with the customers that have just trusted me enough to purchase a product is the number one reason why I jumped on the other side of the fence was to keep the relationship and then also kind of hold the salespeople accountable for what they're actually selling. So it put me in a position to kind of support them, support them further. So. No, it's, it's wonderful. And as, as you have been in this community and customer success obviously is evolving rapidly every year. I mean, we are seeing changes and more adoption of the philosophy itself uh, over the past couple of years happened pretty rapidly. Uh, any thoughts on, from your perspective, what you have seen evolve the most in customer success? Uh, yeah, growth, uh, just overall. Um, I think that um, we're seeing a lot more of people being named customer success. It's turned into more of a title than an actual responsibility. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with that itself causes its own uh, obstacles and challenges, not only as a director, but as a CSM and, you know, ultimately impacts an organization negatively. But mm -hmm. I'm seeing a lot of that going on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, and as, as you have implemented customer success in your current organization as well as elsewhere, uh, what would be the number one mistake you have seen organizations make uh, when they you know, put a lens on customer success or try implementing customer success for the first time? Man, there's many of them. Uh, I would say if I had to narrow it down, it would be lack of the responsibilities. Uh, it really goes back to understanding the true meaning of customer success management. You know, it is more than a title. It's, it's a journey, you know, and it's, uh, it requires a lot of, from what I found is almost anybody can do it. So it's almost no matter what profession you're in, there's a piece that you can take from each profession and mold in a, a professional customer success manager. So it's really quick about identifying how to leverage that particular piece or of knowledge that that new CSM has. So when you take that and you zoom out and you think about an entire organization, you have a group of experts in all different walks of life. And being able to streamline that and scale it is where you find your success, the most success. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. There's one thing I, I forgot in Brandon's uh, introduction. Uh, so Brandon represents uh, a company called Lexipol. Mm -hmm. And Lexipol is uh, one of the largest technology providers to, to the police department, the fire department, uh, emergency medical services. So Brandon, uh, as you head customer success at your organization, you handle a large number of accounts. You obviously have a complex product structure. You have multiple products. You have a fairly large customer success team, multiple business units. So the complexities <laughs> add up. 
you have a very high retention rate. You have been very successful in what you do. What makes you tick? Going back is my team, right? Um, I would say what makes me tick and drives me every day and as it relates directly to what process we're going to roll out is the team. Uh, you know, when you have a very large team that supports multiple products that are multi-tiered, it's very important to it's very important for the team to understand why we move different directions so often. And a lot of that is important. Uh, if, if you were to just change direction prematurely without telling them, then you have just nothing but total chaos. And, and I've seen in the past, uh, past experience, that when you do that, chaos equals churn. Always, all of the time. And, and, and there's, there's, there's no arguing that is a fact. So for me, what makes me tick is exactly that. The numbers itself, I have found, retention, churn, et cetera, et cetera, all falls in place if you have a united front. And it's the, the larger your team, the more products, the more verticals, the more tiered that you're supporting, the harder it gets, the more complex that it gets. So, so making me tick is being able to watch my team not only change direction as one, but actually succeed. And I use retention churn as a measurement on if I did that appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I've always been a proponent, and I'm glad you mentioned that, that you know, for better outcomes in customer management, you as much manage the customer as you manage your internal stakeholders. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's, I think, what you're saying. The more number of products, verticals, customer segments, etc., uh, the more internal potential challenges. Yes. So I think you'd have to, uh, kudos to you to be able to navigate that that well. Uh, at Smart Carrot, just moving tracks a little bit, Brandon. So we are seeing a trend of Smart Carrot being used. And generally, when I speak to the community as well, a lot more uh, you know, attention towards account expansion. So we are saying, okay, retention is there, renewal is there, but your business might be such that you have multi-year contracts, et cetera, et cetera. So every year renewal may or may not be top of mind. But account expansion is top of mind, not only every year, every quarter. So with that same base of customers, what are you doing to expand revenue? And, and as we implement at your organization as well, that's obviously one of the primary use cases we are trying to solve for. Uh, but what are your thoughts? Where Where is this account expansion piece coming from at Lexipol as well as in the industry in general? You know, there's, I would say as of recently, I would say there's really three causes. I mean, if you were to narrow it down, one is COVID happens, mm-hmm. right? So following COVID, a lot of technology companies started to come together at a very rapid rate in order to survive the, um, you know, the potential recession, right? Going just the, the whole game changed, right? Um, so with that comes the, hey, we've just purchased these new product lines. Now we've got, we have all this opportunity to not only generate revenue, but to have a better total solution or a better offering for our customers. So everybody gets really excited about that. Um, I know CSMs do. Uh, CSMs love to have the opportunity to pick up the phone, call a customer and say, I got something new. I got something exciting. And, um, you know, so, so we started to see a lot of that. The other, again, is also because of COVID. So the, the, everything changed. So, you know, everything like completely changed. So you had companies that were closing down. Um, 
you had it to where the the whole industry itself had took this completely different direction. And so overall, just the nature of that, you, you know, has happened. So to help combat that, again, now what they're doing is rather than even just cross-selling, these companies to survive are looking for other opportunities to create new product lines. And that is to generate revenue because maybe the outside, the, the, the incoming revenue that they used to once see has gone away. So companies had to become a lot more creative in finding a way to make up for that loss of revenue. So a lot of products were starting to pop up. And, and so there was this cross-selling that happened there. And the third one is that you just have businesses that are number one goal from the day they start is to grow. They want to be the biggest. They want to be the best. And in order to do that, there's a lot of acquisitions that occur in order to have um, that total solution. So they're always out on the hunt looking for, looking for companies that complement their existing services. And I think that those are the three reasons that we're seeing this, this huge demand for cross-sales. Uh, and it's actually become, from what I've seen, even, even over this, you know, the course of the past two, three years, is it's starting to become more important. It's starting to become the mission. Uh, and, and a lot of the core values of companies are, are, are actually designed around cross-selling and revenue growth. So, you know, I would say that's the number three reasons uh, for now. So what does that mean for you and your team? I mean, in this sudden change, or let's say it's changed over a period of time, but now, you know, hey, you have to cross-sell this. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, maybe you need to cross-sell that. And it's a ground practical reality. There's yes. nothing bad in it because you have acquired a new company. You now need to leverage that uh, acquisition cost. So you're looking at cross-selling that new product line. What does it mean for you and your team? Well, you know, you, you said it best, right? So uh, it, it, unfortunately, in some ways, it is just go and cross-sell. It's not that easy, right? It, it's just not. There's, there's so many complications that are involved with the actual function of being successful at cross-selling. So what does it mean to me and my team? Is it goes back to being a change agent all of the time, right? This, uh, to me, that's the most important thing that you're going to find in CSM is for them to understand that where you're standing today, you will not be tomorrow. And so you've always got to set that expectation. So, you know, with that being said, it, it equals chaos. It does. So you have to got to be very smart. You've got to, you've got to really have a strategy. You've got to have a methodology in place. But more important than all, the CSMs have to believe your mission. They have to believe that because at the top of a company they're saying to cross-sell, They've got to understand the total importance of that. They've got to have a passion for that. They've got to look at it as an opportunity for them to offer their customers more opportunity themselves, more support, full solution. So, yeah, that's that's what it. That's the impact. And I was going to get there in a little uh, while, but but since you mentioned that, uh, and I know I, uh, I we we discussed this offline uh, sometime earlier. Uh, you had mentioned about your team being coached on not selling, Correct. but consulting, yes. right? And trying to add value. Uh, that, that's something I really like. And I think the audience who's hearing this will too, because it is in fact a good way to sell end of day right. by not you know, explicitly selling. So here's a revenue target. I'm going and talking to the customer. Uh, how, give us a little bit more color on how do you go about doing that? Sure. So I've, I have put it upon myself. I have a personal mission to change the word cross-selling. Let it exist, let it be there. But overall, selling over time has become a negative statement for a consumer. I sit here today 
And even if so, I walk into a car dealership and I know that I'm approaching a car salesman, I already know that this person's mission is to sell me, right? So the important thing is to change the name, right? Let the CSMs know we are not selling. Another thing too, man, there's a lot of stress that comes around that word selling. When you ask a CSM who is designed by nature to nurture, to sell, selling to a CSM means asking the hard questions and setting yourself up to close a line of business. The last thing CSMs are closers. If a company solely relies on CSMs to sell, cross-sell at that, you're probably going to fail going that direction. So the first thing was, you know, the mindset, right, is really bringing the team together and asking them what ticks. You know, what is your definition of selling? You almost always get a very and have almost a very uncomfortable conversation almost all the time. I'm not a salesman. That's not this isn't what I signed up for. And they're right. They're 100% right. That, that's not what they are. They're nurturers. So you really talk, um, you know, bringing the team together to go, well, let's not call it that anymore. What is it? Right? At the end of the day, we're just discovering, you know? And, and so I think the very first thing that you should do in any organization is chi- change that mindset when you're dealing with people that are the closest to the customer that are, that are designed to nurture. Um, so definition of selling has got to go out. It just can't be there. It just, yeah. So you, you, you had mentioned a term called uh, uh, discover and DNA. Uh, what, what was that full form? Sure. So I'll tell you, and I can't take credit for that term. Uh, this goes back to getting the team to understand it. So I put together a competition uh, internally for my team and, and said, we all agree we don't like the term selling. What can we do about it? So I put together a friendly competition. I allowed all of the team to provide a list of different names, you know, and it was very interesting to see the names that were actually provided. Very creative. Uh, that's one thing you have with CSMs. They're very creative. Um, they live in that world. They face all the problems. So naturally, they, it creates creators. So it was good to see this. It wasn't easy to, easy to choose. But one of, our, one of our CSMs came up with the term DNA. And not only is it a good play on the word, on the word um, you know, because CSMs, to me, and it's a whole other topic, but the importance of a CSM is you know, is we are the backbone, right? It's DNA. It's, it's, you know, it's there, but it, it related to, you know, the, um, the, uh, department needs assessment. The department needs assessment. assessment. Mm-hmm. So at this point, we're not selling we we are going to, to assess this department to find out what they need. What are your needs? What are your goals? What are you trying to do? That is a function of CSM, right? We want to understand their goals so we can get them there. Right. So just by aligning well to that department's need, uh, you actually end up doing more for them, hopefully over time. Organically. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, stepping back again now a little bit. So as we look at solving for the use case of account expansion, mm-hmm. right? And obviously there is a lot of pressure from the board, from the executive management, where are quarterly numbers. Uh, how do you structure solving for this problem? In my head, you know, top of mind, just to get you going, uh, and we have been discussing this during our uh, implementation calls with you as well, uh, identifying who to go after, yes. then how do you go after, and then you you know track whether you are going after them properly or not, and then rinse, repeat is really what you're trying to do, but I'm sure you will be able to add more uh, details to this. Absolutely. So um, I'll, I'll tell you what was successful, right? So after you've got across the mindset and changing the way a CSM thinks in a positive way, 
you then go, okay, how do we execute, right? I can't just, a word is not enough. I can't go discover, right? Um, you know, one important thing to mention here and is that CSMs do a lot. And I think everybody agrees that's ever been in this world. Um, and one of, the, one of the key problems is that when, from the top executive, when, you change, when, when things change its course, people often forget what someone actually does every single day. So in order for me to create efficiencies, to create momentum, and also the confidence, I've just told these people that are not used to really going after the business in this manner, to go after it. So I gotta set them up for success. So my first line of business is getting together all the data that I can and going, what would make me feel comfortable in picking this phone up and calling this customer that I may have not spoken with in two, three months? Well, it's the data, right? So I, I go through and I, I find really good data that I feel is important. Um, it, you know, anywhere from tenure, what is their current health? Did they rate us uh, on our NPS once upon a time ago? And, um, you know, and, and what current products do they currently hold? Right. And you take all that together and you're able to create a, a, a what I would term or coin as a hit list. This is where you take this now and feel confident about calling that customer that's been here 14 years. Yeah. Their health is green. They, are, they currently only have one product. I mean, if they've been with us 14 years, they're loyalists. They're running really well. We are doing a disservice by not approaching them to let them know, hey, did you hear about this new product that we offer? So that's where I started, right? That's the most important thing is creating that hit list, identifying what's important, and getting that into the hands of the CSM suit to execute. Right. And, and what you're trying to do now is also taking that ahead, create that hit list for every individual who addresses a certain pool of accounts. Correct. Because it'll be different for... It's different for every single CSM. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Now, what do you do after that? Well, from there, that goes right back into, you know, not dismissing that churn is important, retention is important, health is important, right? So we don't want to disturb our business. So from there, you go, where can I find the time to break this down into a manner that works for the CSM without throwing them off tilt, without them just going, uh, number, I'll, I'll tell you something on this too. Something you have to caution is that when you get a team really pumped up, mm -hmm. right, and you're giving them the tools needed to succeed, it's very easy for them to want to be distracted, especially if it's new to them. Right. You're breaking the cycle. They, they pick up the phone, they're pumped up, they get someone on and they're like, yeah, absolutely, I wanna hear more about this. And that creates a good steam and good forward momentum. But that's, that was one of the challenges I faced was like, okay, wait a minute, what about this? You had to process this. And they're like, well, you know, we're, we're, over, we're doing our DNA, like, you know, and they get excited about it. So that right there was, was very challenging where I, at the point, in a good way, it was challenging, that I had to tell them to step back a little bit. Like, hey, just make phone, five phone calls today. <laughs> make 10, you know, don't call the 260 people that I sent over to you, right? So it, it was a good thing to see because there's nothing, I would say as a leader, there's nothing more rewarding than to see your team happy and excited about doing something that you've asked them to do. But that, that, was, that, that was the challenge. It was a good challenge, but. Right. Wonderful. How do you, uh, you know, balance out between uh, what the industry has been calling tech touch and uh, the human touch, right? Obviously, there is a balance required and it's different for different organizations, maybe different for different product lines. Uh, how, how, what do you think is the right way to balance that out? 
This is a challenge I think everybody faces, if I understand your question correctly. By tech, are you, are you referring to splitting the difference between a customer needing technical support and a customer needing health? No. So uh, when you are, say, you have identified a list of accounts now, right? So there are some communication which can happen automated, yeah. right? You don't need to get on a phone call. Uh, but there are certain things which can only be discussed in person or in a phone call, right? So how do you optimize balancing out between, hey, these are repetitive tasks. I don't need to do that. So probably I'll run a campaign or I'll you know, create some automated rule which, which creates more bandwidth for your CSM team. Uh, and then the rest, they actually have to do that in-person human touch. So I, I, think that, I think they work hand in hand. So this also goes with strategy, right? So... What I would say is the best way to handle that is, one, is first of all, understanding your message to, to begin with. How strong is your brand? Okay. So is relying on a campaign enough? Is that touch point enough? Right. Do we do this at introductory? Do we do this after a follow up? Right. So, so trying to find that in, in many cases is very challenging. I would say that it, it, previously I've, I've ran some campaigns that I found to be very successful and those were the accounts that, what I would say I like to double dip. Um, it's no secret, right? Uh, I think that any business, the number one goal of most businesses, um, and, and I hope this is not a secret, but is to maximize the amount of accounts that a CSM manages. The only way you can do that is through efficiency, right? And this is why this is very important. So in order to do that, if you've got someone managing 700 departments, and you throw a couple other things in the equation like tiered pricing. What product do they have? How much are they spending with us a year, a month? What, what does this model look like? You have to really look at it and go, okay, you, you almost have to segment these tiers to go, I want to touch this account that's of a lower end, but my time is consumed by the this tier and this tier, right? So you, search, you, you, you do what I would consider double dipping at this point. Not only are you touching the customer, but you're touching a customer with reasoning, with value behind it. So the, you, you almost tear it. You go on these lower end accounts that I wish I could touch, I can't do. Let's tuck touch them. Let's consider this an opportunity to go in and say, hey customer, I don't know if you're aware, but you're healthy. I think you are ready now to have this conversation about other products that we're offering. And that would be that campaign. Whereas the other tiers, and what I mean by other tiers is, is the higher you go up in, in revenue, it's not that they deserve that, that type of attention because I feel like all of them do. From $1 to a million, a CSM should want to give them all the same level of service. Um, but it's impossible. It is. But those larger tiered customers becomes a more complex conversation. So if I look at something and I start with, let's just say revenue, it's an important piece. And then I look at the actual department size. I go, do we base this off revenue or do we base this off department size? Revenue doesn't necessarily mean there's more complexity there. The size of the department does. So you go after the size of the department first of tenured nature and you have those conversations because from there, you're good. that's a true discovery. That's really finding out more about their operation and, and again, finding out the end goals. Um, you know, those, can, those conversations itself can be challenging because a good CSM will also always be in a position after doing discovery to say, you're not ready. You're not ready to move into another product, you know, so. No, I'm glad you said that because, you know, one of the, uh, I've been a firm believer in being able to, uh, what we call internally at Smart Carrot, segment out 
customers and make it dynamic enough. So once you create a dynamic segment, it keeps polling your data, as you mentioned, and then it'll be different every day. Uh, because depending on the product line you are trying to expand into uh, or the vertical you are in, uh, the whole thing is going to be very different. Mm -hmm. So how do you manage all of that at scale? Uh, it's very difficult unless, like you correctly said, you know, segment out and, and create those specific rules. Wonderful. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, uh, ask, let me ask you, since we have you here, and you're a great uh, team manager, uh, uh, and, and you have a very successful team, tell us something about what you have learned about managing specifically a customer success team. I mean, it's, it's a challenging role. I'm still learning. I'm still learning, right? It is a very challenging role. Um, I, I would say the number one thing is, is how impressed I am uh, by the amount of talent that you have. So the bigger that the pool of people that you get, the more talent you have. And this goes back to identifying that and tapping into it to help empower them as individuals. And, you know, I learned that um, <laughs> I've, you know, throughout, throughout my career, I have had people with PhDs work for me, right? And so why are you customer success? What happened along the way? And you kind of learn their life story. And, and most of the times they have a very good story on why they, why they choose CSM, you know, why they want to actually relate to the customer. And so I, I would say that that's, that's what I've learned the most. Now, the other thing that I've learned about having a, a really large team and, and the larger that it gets the more complicated it gets to, to streamline. And I think anybody that's been through this will agree. And um, in order to streamline or in order, or in order to scale, you've got to have tools in place to do that. You, know, it, you, you can't just tell everyone to go a direction. It just doesn't work. But, yeah, that's the challenge. So consistency in being able to drive, uh, which brings me to the next question that, again, what's, what's been your practical experience uh, as you look at technology, leveraging technology uh, as you scale? Well, so I, I would say this. I'd say one thing that I've experienced, and I'll say as of recent, and, and this is a shared experience even in, in the past. When a company grows, there's certain things that need to grow with it uh, that often get forgotten, right? Uh, you grow so fast that you chase the money. Naturally, this is what companies do. And a lot of things get left behind. And, and you know, I would say that one of those things and challenges that I've experienced, and this is anywhere that I've ever been, is that we have very rich data. We have tools that have very rich data, but the issue is they all live in different platforms. So it makes it very difficult to scale. And, and I would say that that's, um, uh, you know, that, that's one of the challenges. I mean, very many challenges, yeah. Someone looking to come into customer success uh, for a career, as a career choice. I mean, it, it is a great career choice today's yeah. date. Uh, what would be your one advice to you know potential CSMs, director of CS, VP CS, what would be your advice? <clears throat> be ready for change, accept it. Going back to some points I made earlier, where you stand today, you will not be tomorrow. And I think that is the key to being CS. N nothing else, nothing else. You have got to, you are walking into not only a very important position and any company, I'm, I'm very biased by it, but what I've seen customer success managers be able to accomplish when challenged is phenomenal. But 
in the struggles are dealing with customer success managers that don't want to change. That, you know, if, if you have this idea that going into a CSM role means that your eight to five is going to be the same steps every single day, this is not for you. It is not the position for you. As a matter of fact, I make that a point when I'm interviewing for people to understand what they're walking into and they have to want to accept challenge. They have want to accept change. That is the same for a director. That is the same for a VP. Um, and, and I'll tell you, you know, one thing that's been very successful for me, and this is the advice that I give directors and VPs, aside from CS, is create partnerships. You have got to have partnerships across your entire function because when you're dealing with product, you're dealing with development, you're dealing with finance, you're dealing with marketing, you've got to understand every single one of those sectors, those divisions, how they operate, how they beat, what are their roadmaps, why do they do this, why do they do that, in order for you to actually find a solution. If not, you're going to find resistance and you're not going to get any movement. So you have to be very strategic as a director and a VP in order to, to get what the customer deserves because we are the advocates and we are the voice of the customer. And the only way someone's going to listen to you is if they like you. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Yep. It is a people to people. Yeah. Uh, equation any day. Yeah, so let's flip the coin, Brandon, a little bit. Uh, so your advice to CSMs, VPs are uh, well, well received. What would the same advice be for executive management? Today, I would say that it's time for executives to start looking at CSM not as a cost, but as an investment. Um, I, and, and I think that that's very important. And, and the good news is I think we're starting to see a shift. We're starting to see it go that direction. CSMs are very operational. They kind of fall in this operational umbrella. And a lot of times that can hinder our ability to, fo to follow the growth of a company. You know, you, companies going after revenue are going to absolutely grow their sales force, which should, if you have a good sales force, is going to give you more accounts to manage. CSMs should follow that. Um, and when we talk about all the many things, which I'm sure we'll, we've had conversations about and, and will in the future, is why is retention so important for a company? So as an executive, they've got to be looking at the, they got to be looking at least five miles out to go, this area is worth investing in. Yeah. Right. Oh, wonderful. Uh, it was great having you, Brandon. I think, you know, obviously this sort of discussion can continue, but, but we, have a, we have a hard timeline and I think we are pretty much at top of the mark. So wonderful having you. Thank you once again and look forward to more discussions like this in the future. Absolutely. Same. Yeah. Hopefully this was, this will be helpful to the community as well.